Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Brief Podcast. This is Sabrina De Palma, Executive Director at Metpra, your host for today. Once again, we are recording remotely thanks to our brilliant broadcast partners, Marketeers. I will be joined by three of our Metpra Youth Board members, Brazen Nina, Senior Account Director, and our Youth Board President, Jennifer Love, Weber Shanwick Mina, Senior Manager, Nada Elbashumi, and Vice President of Employee Engagement at Mubadala Investment Company, Sara Kazim. This will be our second episode discussing the COVID-19 impact on our profession, but this time we'll be looking at it from a young communicator's perspective and the concerns and challenges they are facing through this pandemic. Thank you for joining the podcast, Jen, Nada and Sarah. Hello, it's great to be here today. Hi guys. Hi everyone. Glad to connect with everybody virtually. Thank you. So I guess, can we start by asking how the COVID-19 outbreak has reshaped the way you are each working with your teams, managers and clients? You know, obviously we're all dialing in remotely at the moment. Can you just give our listeners a brief summary on how your day-to-day work has changed at the moment? Jen, if we can start with you. Sure, no, absolutely. Um, so as you know, I'm from Brazen Mina, we're a boutique agency. And due to our size, um, we've been able to seamlessly adapt and able to manage our day-to-day, you know, whether whether that's with our you know, clients or our colleagues. You know, we're quite agile and we're we're finding ourselves quite lucky that we're in this situation. We're able to maintain our high standards, um, our daily routines course thanks to technology so um, no it's been a a seamless uh, transition. Great and uh, Nada how about yourself? Well for us at Weber Shandwick UAE it's it's been kind of uh, an adjustment process for sure but actually we had a lot of systems in place ahead of uh, the kind of lockdown so we did a trial day working from home and um, kind of gave our managers and our teams feedback on what worked and what didn't. So we were able to really kind of streamline the process ahead of time. And I think that really helped us prepare ahead of time. Uh, and I think, as Jen mentioned, technology has just been really integral to kind of staying connected with our teams and with our clients. You know, a lot of our clients are also working from home right now, so we're, we're all in the same boat. Um, but I think the biggest kind of adjust, adjustment that we've faced is kind of how we provide our counsel. So being really timely and responsive, obviously, because this is an evolving uh, crisis, but also being really empathetic um, and having that kind of human uh, appreciation for what everybody is going through uh, has been something that we've uh, we've seen really take over kind of our work streams. So, yeah, I would say the transition has been a, a process, but uh, definitely an evolving one as well. And I guess with you, Nada, you know, you're part of this global network. Have you really relied on your you know, global offices and, and those that were seeing the outbreak ahead of the region on best practice and how to work together and how to advise clients in that way? Oh, 100%. And I think that that's uh, definitely one of the key benefits of being part of such a large network. So not only uh, with Weber Shandwick um, internationally, but also uh, locally with MCN, which is our group of uh, network agencies here based in the Middle East. Uh, you know, there's just been a lot of uh, information sharing, knowledge sharing, uh, research that's been coming out of different markets, especially on um, how different industries are dealing with the crisis and then also how different teams have adapted uh, ahead of time. Uh, as, as you mentioned, the wave was kind of a little bit delayed in this part of the world. So it was really helpful to have that oversight uh, from other offices and other uh, territories that were dealing with it ahead of us. Yeah, I bet. Um, and Sarah, 
you know, your role really does focus on employee engagement. So were you part of the process and how employees were communicated and mobilised to work in a remote environment? Can you talk us through that? Sure. I think um, basically we all took it upon ourselves to look at the things that we're working on and how do we adjust to this change in ways of working. And I think uh, we've sort of adopted a few things that have helped us, to be honest, navigate it pretty seamlessly, given that we haven't really had a working from home setup in the past. So one being very like disciplined and respectful of people's times as we work remotely and the lines blur between being at home and being at work. So just being mindful of when we engage people, uh, what do we share ahead of time, um, how to use their times in a valuable way on meetings. The second, and I think Neda touched upon this, is the point about empathy. You know, people are, um, no one's uh, sort of, gone through this before so being understanding that people have their uh, well-being to think about their family's well-being and also trying to adjust to this new way of working so i think being patient with one another and understanding um, is definitely a principle that we've tried to uh, adopt and i think the third thing is um, keeping an open line of communication so we're constantly asking for feedback and reassessing and um, Sort of it's just an iterative cycle um, and to be honest given the pace of change it's literally on every other day that we need to sort of reassess what we're doing and adjust accordingly but from the feedback we've heard it's paid off pretty well. You make a point there that you weren't set up to work remotely but I'm sure there's a lot of companies across the UAE and the region who are in a similar position. What challenges did you face initially and how did you work through those? Were people having issues with the channels you were using or, uh, you know, talk us through that. Sure. Um, I think the challenge is obviously technology is an adjustment because globally there's a bigger load on bandwidth um, requirements. So there are definitely some hiccups uh, on that in the beginning. Um, I think being mindful of um, not being able to connect with people in person, sometimes that takes uh, a toll. So we are sort of uh, deliberate about making sure we maintain social connections within smaller teams, but also through different initiatives that we are facilitating for the organization to make people maintain that sort of sense of engagement and connection. Um, and uh, the third thing is, uh, like I said, the line of communication to, to be able to know what the pain points are for people and so we can respond accordingly. And Jen, can I just come back to you? I know your team is a relatively small, close-knit team. How was it that changes were communicated through to your wider team from Louise and how open and regular are the line of communications there? Well, we started the planning of this uh, quite some time ago. I think, you know, we've got to all remember that, you know, the headlines started to roll in from, you know, January this year. So, I mean, at the beginning, we were just ensuring that people were aware of, you know, which news channels to, you know, look at, rely on. Um, when we had kind of a bit of a plan in place, um, we sat down with the full team, with the juniors, just to talk through what we were preparing for um, and just ensured they were very much aware of the different um, kind of day-to-day -day routines, um, different programs we were going to be using. And as Nada said, we went through a bit of a trial and test period just to ensure that when we got into full remote working that it was a seamless process. 
but we are very, very transparent, but also being very mindful that um, there are lots of headlines going around and circulating. And the importance was that people stayed safe, healthy, and also calm, but aware of the impact that was coming. Yeah. And so what do you think are the major concerns being shared by your teams? I think... First and foremost, I think it's the well-being of friends and family. You know, I think we've got to remember we live in a country where the highest number, um, you know, it's a very high number of expats and there's a restriction on travel, which has obviously been a huge worry. There's limited ways of getting back to family. Um, So we've just ensured that we've had daily check-ins, not with regards to work, but just to see how people are feeling, um, you know, how they're feeling in terms of their own well-being. Um, But I think first and foremost is the well-being of their friends and family but we've ensured that we keep a regular line of contact uh, with them just to make sure everyone's okay. Yeah I know that your team are big on mindfulness and well-being um, so that doesn't surprise me. Nada and Sarah could you share your own concerns at the moment? Yeah for sure. I think um, echoing what, what Jennifer was saying Definitely one of the biggest issues weighing heavy on everybody's minds is this kind of climate of uncertainty. Uh, It's definitely an unprecedented situation and everybody's just concerned for what that means for them, their loved ones, their family that they're not able to to get back to, for for instance. And I think that's been the major uh, thing that we're dealing with. It's definitely mental health and well-being to make sure that everybody is kind of adapting to this process in the best way possible, but also that they're working through any kind of stress or anxiety that they might be having as a result of of the current situation. Um, And I think that one thing I've really appreciated about our our senior management's handling of this from the start is the transparency of all communications, but also the genuine concern for our health and well-being from both a physical and mental point of view, because at the end of the day, we're a service-based business. So our people are our most important asset. And we know that Um, We need to kind of make sure that everybody is um, dealing with this in the best way possible, but also that we're being considerate to the fact that they may have a little bit of a a struggle, um, especially when it comes to mental well-being. So um, some of the things that I think have been really great that we've seen uh, internally is uh, just a lot of effort being put through by team leaders. Um, We've had a few kind of mental health webinars with mental health professionals as well that people can dial into, obviously through things like Zoom and uh, Microsoft Teams and stuff like that. So yeah, it's I think um, encouraging that um, that environment of support and making sure that everybody feels like they have that support system to to fall back on is really key for sure. And I mean, it's great to hear that you're getting connected to mental health professionals. That would be a huge help and resource for the wider team. Are there any takeaways from those webinars that you could share with our listeners that could help anyone that's struggling at the moment? Definitely. I think one of the biggest things that we've seen repeated, and I think maybe you guys might have read this uh, on various literature online, is uh, just not kind of beating yourself up if you're having uh, difficulty adjusting to the new situation, really kind of creating a routine for yourself. So whether that's, you know, an early morning Um, stretch session or perhaps, you know, making yourself a cup of coffee and reading something unrelated to the news uh, and then kind of digging into your emails, taking time away from your desk to to walk around, um, you know, within your home space, obviously maintaining social distancing um, and also setting up aside some time in the evening to connect with friends and family on virtual uh, video platforms, video chat platforms and things like that. So just kind of having a little bit of a routine during the work week so that there is a little bit of of that delineation between work week and week 
work week and uh, weekend rather, not work weekend. Um, I think some of those things have been uh, really key and I've actually uh, really benefited um, from kind of creating this new routine and this new normal. And I think one of uh, the most important key takeaways for me as well is adjusting our thinking towards this crisis to be a little bit more long-term. So I think a lot of people are kind of hoping for the end being near and for things returning to normalcy. But I think we also have to kind of be a little bit more realistic with ourselves and understand that it may not necessarily be so quick. So rather than thinking in terms of days or weeks, thinking in terms of months, uh, I think that's been really helpful to kind of just ground me personally and um, help me adapt to the situation. Yeah, I bet. Sarah, could you, um, over to you now, um, if you could talk us through in your role as Vice President in Employee Engagement, what kind of concerns are you seeing from your team and how's my brother dealing with that? I think uh, two things that add to what's already been shared. One is sort of like, you know, we are trying to spend our time to preempt where people's heads may be at and what they need and sort of be, be there a step ahead of the game to give them what they need. So, for example, as people spend um, time on their own and sort of feel confined, how do we tackle um, the challenges of, for example, loneliness and how do we as a company, you know, provide support accordingly? Um, and the other thing is, I think being being mindful that in many ways people what uh, makes people feel better is uh, when they feel like they can influence something and they can help. So we're uh, currently exploring uh, a number of different ways that our employees can get involved and support um, the cause, um, both locally and internationally. Um, so uh, we, we are uh, optimistic that that's going to be uh, a way to help them feel like they're um, helping improve upon the situation even though they're um, working remotely and can't be there in person in many cases. Oh, that sounds like a great initiative. Can you give us you know, a sneak peek of what that might look like? Well, uh, yes, uh, I can try. It's still in the uh, uh, approval process. But I think, first of all, looking internally and looking at our support staff members and how we can be there for them, uh, whether through mon monetary donations or enabling access for them, to connect with their families through digital solutions. So that's one way. Um, another way is through our sort of healthcare uh, facilities and investments that we have. How do we extend support to, um, to provide uh, the right kind of infrastructure to enable the management of the situation? So for example, we have um, telemedicine, which is a remote um, sort of calling um, um, health consultation center. And we've definitely increased the capacity there to help accommodate the need um, based on the, the times that we're in. So those are, those are just a few examples of how we're trying to uh, do what we can. Great. I look forward to seeing that. I know we've been covering off, you know, how employees are feeling and the internal communications and keeping everyone connected within an organization. I'd like to look at how you see clients handling the situation, uh, Jen and Nada. Jen, I know that Brazen have a lot of food and beverage clients, which I know a lot of them would be struggling right now. Can you give us just the overall sentiment of you know, how they're feeling and what kind of work you're having to do with them? Sure. I mean, I think overall, like, there's an uncertainty of when things will go back to normal. And um, I think 
what Nada touched on is, you know, not necessarily normal, but this new normal. However, you know, and, until we reach that stage, whether that's months, um, weeks or months, what can we do in the meantime um, to still kind of connect with, you know, connect brands with their consumer? Social media is definitely, you know, the, the, the gateway and where all the kind of dialogue is going to happen. So how can we still ensure that, you know, the brand's share of voice is still being heard? Um, you know, kind of some creative content, um, you know, showing how people can adapt uh, being at home and recreate that almost restaurant experience. Um, but, you know, there is a, there's a sense of uncertainty, but, um, you know, utilizing platforms such as Deliveroo, I think we've seen it across the board in terms of the F&B industry. You know, you've now got um, LPM on board, Queer on board. Um, but yes, we're just trying to just, at least for the F&B market, see what we can do in the meantime to still connect with our audiences um, and how we kind of go back to market when the normal, the new normal comes about. And the company voice and how they position themselves um, is super important. I think we need to be very, very empathetic um, and human. Um, but overall, that's kind of um, the stance that we're coming from with our clients. Right. And Nada, how about yourself? Well, I think globally, it's been really interesting, I think, as a communicator to see kind of the wide ranges of approaches that different brands um, have taken in response to the COVID-19 situation. And I mean, I say this <laughs> with the, the most amount of respect, but it's been quite fascinating, actually, to see some of the world's biggest brands make some truly inexcusable faux pas. I think it's a really good learning experience for us. Um, but on the on the flip side, it's been actually really inspirational to watch a lot of brands kind of evolve their content strategy. So as Jenny Jennifer was saying, um, you know, coming up with new ways to engage with audiences and consumers. Uh, I think it was uh, Louis Vuitton that um, started manufacturing hand sanitizers instead of perfume. Uh, a lot of uh, big brands have replaced their consumer campaigns with public health messages to help fight, you know, the global uh, spread or the the raise awareness on the importance of social distancing and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, I think for, for our clients, obviously there's definitely been a shift. Um, we're all kind of talking about how we can uh, evolve based off of our different uh, audience groups that we're speaking to, whether it's B2C or B2B or even um, B2G. But I think one thing that I've uh, noted in the UAE that I think we've been really grateful to have is I suppose the government's really uh, timely response to the crisis. Um, I think that has given us a really good framework to work upon from a crisis communications point of view, uh, because we're all kind of saying the same message. We're united under the same vision and the same kind of plight, if you will. Absolutely. But do you think there's anything brands can learn from on a global front? Definitely. I think probably one of the biggest or the most important takeaways from this is understanding, I suppose, the gravity of the situation and um, really taking home the message that this is not a marketing opportunity. Uh, this isn't a time for brands to be pushing or not necessarily be pushing, but is, is not a time for brands to try to leverage the situation for their own you know, financial gain or, or uh, share a voice interest. Um, I think there's a fine line, obviously, depending on what industry you're in, um, when it comes to communicating around this crisis. But I think uh, 
people and consumers nowadays are more connected than ever, more aware than ever, and they can see through something that isn't transparent from the get-go. So I think integrity and transparency are crucial no matter what business you're in. Uh, and also something to consider, and I think we've all faced this as, as communicators, is there's just so much misinformation and miscommunication circulating. So I think the brands um, and the companies that cut through with kind of that uh, authentic messaging are the ones that are really going to uh, be appreciated and be remembered long after this this crisis dies down, hopefully. I think one thing, if I can add, um, what I am really um, loving and how brands are responding is each one is playing to their strengths. You know, it's not sort of a mass um, and generic approach. They're really looking at how they can be most helpful within their own capacities and coming up with really creative solutions to support the cause. And in general, on a global level, that sense of global solidarity, I think, is an important thing for all companies and individuals to really reflect on. You know, how do we come together to benefit um, the collective uh, experience? Oh, 100 percent. I think I definitely agree with that, Sara. Like the the solidarity that we're seeing now on a global scale is truly unprecedented. And I think because we're more connected than we have ever been in the past, even with past situations, you know, whether it was wars or um, situations of global strife, I don't think there's ever been something on this level that everybody can kind of uh, resonate with in a sense. So that's uh, definitely something that we're observing um, with our clients and also just as individuals, for sure. Yes. I was going to say, do you think that also translates internally to your teams? You know, do you feel closer than ever before in, in terms of having to face this all together. I think uh, Nada touched upon it earlier, right? Having that empathy about everyone's going through the experience and there are lots of unknowns and just being understanding of what that may look like for different people. The point about playing to the strengths, right? So each department will is already looking at, okay, how can I be of most help um, um, to the organization, how we're navigating through this, you know, like sort of our IT team stepping up their game and sort of uh, providing different solutions to cater to the new needs of the organization from a human capital point of view, um, the policies, um, the flexibility, the guidance to line managers, you know, so it's a lot of it is it's part process and part of like how they respond to it from a behavioral point of view. So really um, embedding the empathy in how they're responding. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you, Sarah. How do you think um, we'll see the workplace practices change in the long term in the UAE? Um, you know, you spoke about, Sarah, that you weren't set up to work remotely before. Do you think moving forward and in the future, we'll now adapt how we work and offer remote working across the board? I think uh, definitely, and I see it being the case in the UAE and globally. I think it's really tested a lot of sort of preconceptions that we had just been operating uh, with as sort of on autopilot. And I think actually we've seen that we can do things in a different way, but still not have a sort of an impact on a quality drop or efficiency, et cetera. So I think it's really uh, moments of reflection uh, across the board, be it the workplace, be it in the education sector, as people are trying different ways to continue with the important topic of education, but do it in different ways, healthcare sector, so really across the board. 
And yeah, no, just to add to that, um, Sarah, I think, you know, as you've quite rightly said, and as we've discussed already, we've been able to, you know, clearly demonstrate our flexibility and our abilities to adapt and respond to working re remotely. Um, but just talking from the, from the perspective of a small, smaller boutique PR agency, um, yes, remote working, we're able to, you know, um, work across the city with our laptops, but being across a table with um, my colleagues is probably one of the things that across the board at Brazen we're all kind of feeling um, something that we really, really miss. So working remotely, um, being flexible with our colleagues, um, this has definitely demonstrated that we can do it. But, you know, there's a big difference between, you know, Skyping or Zooming or WhatsApping to, uh, as opposed to being across a table uh, to a colleague. So, um It'd be quite interesting to see how, you know, every different firm and, you know, large scale or small scale business um, can move forward with it. But uh, definitely from a more boutique sized agency, I definitely see the benefit of, you know, working across the table from um, a fellow colleague. Well, Jonty made uh, that point in our previous podcast that, you know, specifically in the UAE and the region, relationships are built on face-to-face -face engagement, you know, sitting around a meeting room table and, you know, this is how work, uh, how, we, how we work in the region. Yeah. Um, and now I'm hearing that, you know, people are putting together virtual pitches. Have you, have you Nada or Jen, been part of a virtual pitch yet? Yeah. <laughs> yes, we, we were um, a few weeks ago and I, I found it very, uh, it, was, it was very, very strange. You know, you, you can read... <laughs> people you were you know pitching to and you know most recently um we're working on a proposal and whenever we you know do a proposal for a new business we like to go you know trial test really get under the skin of the brand and we can't do that so I think you know in terms of new business um doing this all virtually is a new experience um so yeah that just from my side so I haven't had the, the honor of, of being part of a virtual pitch yet, but I look forward to it if, it, uh, if the situation continues longer than we we're anticipating. Um, I think one of the, I guess, silver linings about the situation, just to touch on your point, Sabrina, about how this is going to change workplace practices like in the long term, is that we've kind of been forced into a box in terms of finding solutions for things that we probably wouldn't have entertained otherwise. So across the board, I think different industries, there's just been obviously a lot more, you know, greater flexibility. Um, you know, everyone's having to work from home. So I think in the future, this means something uh, along the lines of having, you know, more flexible work programs. So actually, since I joined um, Weber, uh, almost four years ago now, uh, we've always had a uh, flexi work program. And I think that we can see probably more agencies start to pick that up in the future because it's just very clear now that, as you mentioned, um, Jennifer, the quality isn't dropping. People are still able to kind of deliver on their deadlines. And yes, there is a missing link when it comes to working with teams live. But I think for the, you know, by and large, it's, it's, kind of redefined what it means to to work remotely and to still kind of have those results. Um, and honestly, my personal favorite <laughs> silver lining out of all of this is that some of our stakeholders have realized that, yes, it could have just been an email <laughs> or, you know, virtual meeting. We didn't have to meet in person. Uh, so, yeah, I think it it's going to be exciting and interesting to see how how work practices kind of evolve 
Yes, I, I, I um, have heard that, you know, a lot of uh, agencies and in-house teams as well, just learning what could be an email versus a phone call versus a face-to-face meeting. So I think in any case, it's going to change the way we work in the future. We could talk about this for a lot longer, but I'll finish with a last question on how we're looking at recovery plans and how you're working with clients, Nada and Jen, but Sarah, how are you working with the team and and going back to business as usual whenever that is. So Nada, can we start with you? Sure. So for us, I mean, I think I probably speak for all of us here when I say that we've been in kind of like scenario planning overdrive for the past uh, month or so uh, for all of our clients. And obviously that includes um, thinking about what it means to exist in a, in a post-crisis uh, world. So for our BCC clients, we're really kind of examining um, how, as I mentioned previously, to... Uh, carefully communicate to the general public following something that has affected probably every consumer worldwide and every industry um, worldwide. So we want to obviously remain positive with the, in, you know, in the hopes or in the, the, in the, yeah, in the hope that we will return to normalcy. But I think it's really important when it comes to scenario planning to just Uh, be conscious of acknowledging the impact that the situation has had on us all and the fact that it's an impact that is probably going to be around for many years to come. Um, So a lot of our our recovery planning is kind of looking at um, how to still kind of remain uh, empathetic and still have that that human element to things because, of course, business as usual is necessary for everybody. But I think uh, one thing that everybody has has come to grapple with with, uh, with this crisis is really how it's affected us on an individual level. And I think um, it's important not to lose sight of that. So if I can share from uh, from the way we're handling it internally, I think we're sort of striking a balance between how do we plan for the future when you, we don't know yet what, how, what the gravity of the situation will be by the end of this, when there will be an end, and um, also how do you balance the current uh, dynamic we're in that is constantly changing as well, you know? And I think... The way we're doing that is having the ongoing conversations, uh, staying connected, keeping each other informed and coming together to tackle areas that no one has sort of experienced in the past. So I think it's about um, sort of the iterative process that we're applying to make sure that we don't um, lose sight of what, what we want to achieve by the end of this, but are also still uh, acknowledging what the uh, current reality is. And I think we also need to just uh, remember that, you know, we went into this situation, let's say in phases. So the market isn't going to immediately all open up on one day and it is going to be a phased approach. And, you know, of course, it's going to be residents, um, the different sectors and then tourists. So I think, you know, planning for the normal, the new normal in various stages, different contingency plans. I think we also need to be very mindful of that when it comes to um, uh, doing recovery plans. And uh, when the markets do open up again and consumers are able to go about their day-to-day life, whatever that looks like, um, you know, it's going to be a very, very competitive landscape, um, especially when it comes to the F&B market, which is one of the most competitive industries in the UAE. So I think brands need to also, um, in line with what Nada and um, Sarah have already said, also, you know, have a very strong, impactful idea that um, is understanding of what we've all kind of come out from. Thank you, Sarah, Nada and Jen for providing an insightful discussion. I know our listeners will benefit from hearing your perspectives 
on this matter. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Although we can't see you in person, we are trying to find ways to keep our members connected through this time. And we have developed some virtual events to keep you informed and connected over the next few weeks. So please head over to metpro.org forward slash COVID-19 where you'll find our calendar of events to keep you connected. <laughs>